This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. This hour of the program brought to you by Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. We've got a whole lot going on today. we got Thursday night football tonight. We had a hellacious rainstorm this morning. Yeah, I know. I don't want to see it rain again for a while. <laughs> Driving into work this morning and to, to do the web show was harrowing. I had to do too much squeegeeing this morning that I wasn't planning on doing. <laughs> that's right. That's 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 what happens when you apparently live in a flood z- or work in a flood zone. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't. I'm. I don't like rain. <laughs> I don't want to see it rain for a while. Uh, the only thing I'm glad about is that we were able to pull off the web show this morning without electrocuting ourselves. I'm very happy about that. Uh, we we somehow managed to deal with uh, the great Jeremy Curse of 2020. Uh, only missing one show yesterday. Right. Uh, there's, there may still be some roads closed around the area. So just watch out for that as you're out driving around heavy traffic everywhere. People are out there having, uh, you know, they're getting business done. Have you noticed that? Uh, yes. Have you noticed that lately? How like the last few weeks, it's just been more and more and more and more traffic as somebody who's been out in this whole thing every day driving whether it was driving to your house to do the show from the studios or whatever we're we're almost back to full capacity on the roadways we are troopers there is nothing (laughs) that shall stop us i do have to say thank you to all the people that uh, sent messages yesterday some of which i cannot read on the air but Uh they were absolutely hilarious i am feeling markedly better And uh, I have you learn something new every day. Apparently, you can catch a sinus infection from somebody else. Uh, yes, yes, I you did can. not know that. <laughs> and apparently, it's pretty common knowledge. It is. It uh, is pretty good. You said that to me, and I went, "I don't think that's right." But I'm gonna let him roll with it because he don't feel good. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> my doctor's exact phrase was, "What are you stupid?" Yeah. <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can catch a sinus infection. Yeah. And, uh, uh, thank you, Nyquil. Uh, that yesterday was not a fun day, but I feel markedly better. Oh, uh, it's gonna be a fun one today. Glad you're feeling better, my friend. And uh, like I said, yes, there probably still are some roads closed around the area for flooding and trees down. And and all of that uh emergency workers have been out doing their their darndest to keep things uh keep things running smooth and uh, they're catching up uh it's been nice weather this afternoon so hopefully uh all of those problems will be going away uh shortly anyway you are in the sports tank on espn Asheville 92.9 fm 880 am and 1400 we've got a new manager for the chicago white Sox. they're throwing it back to 1979 uh it was a long time ago yeah 79 1979 uh they, they got the same manager uh because baseball I mean, I, are we just, is that our goal now? Like now every hiring we have to look at, well, who did they fire 30 years ago? <laughs> right. We had all the Jeff Van Gundy talk with the Houston Rockets. Uh, what's next? We've already got Mac Brown back in Carolina. I mean, it's right. just, hey, it's reunion time. You know what I learned yesterday? 
They're remaking Saved by the Bell. Are they really? This has to be the easiest time in the history of the world to be a television producer because you just look at the Nielsen ratings from 1994 and go, hey, we could do that Let's again. Let's remake that. Let's do that again. Can we have Martin again? That's the one I want to see. I want to see Martin in and Living Gina, Color. And, but now Martin is you know obviously a little heavier. He's dealing with some diabetes. I want In Living Color back. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> I, I don't want anything else. But if you're going to uh, keep we'll remaking shows... That. Then I'm going to need that one to come we'll, back. We'll never recapture that again. You could never do that comedy on television anymore. Somebody sent well, I me guess the, it was on cable, so it didn't matter. Somebody sent me the trailer to the new Saved by the Bell in my uh, NyQuil stupor yesterday. Right. And Zach is now the governor of California. I, I guess you figure if Arnold Schwarzenegger can do it, Zach Morris can too. Yeah, why not? <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. I just wait a minute, wait a minute. I know we don't really get political here, but Zach Zach Morris, Democrat or Republican? No clue. Do, no, I never on. I never watched the show, so you I you never no watched Saved by the Bell. Not that I can remember. Uh, the only you. thing I remember is that I was completely in love with Kelly Kapowski. That's it. That's literally right. the only character I know on the show. Right. I'm going Republican. Zach Morris would have been a Republican when he grows up. You can fight me on that if you want to at Sports Tanky SPN on Twitter. Zach Morris. Definitely is the Republican governor of California. I'm just looking at the ratings of what show could we remake next. Uh, let's see. We've already done Murphy Brown. Uh, we've already done Roseanne. Friends is having a reunion. Home Improvement. All the way in. Home Improvement. Tim Allen, Richard Carton. All the way in. <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. Richard Carn. I think we're going to have him on the show coming we up We are. Yeah, it'll be in December. <laughs> Which he is apparently still does weird to me. He apparently does Hallmark movies now, and as soon as uh, we have a, a great friend that that connects us with people that want to be on our show, and uh, as soon as he said Richard Carn, I went the Tool Time guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I want him. Yep. Yes, that's it. We got uh, news all over the NFL as well. Some injury news tonight and uh, Thursday night football. Christian McCaffrey will not be playing for the Carolina Panthers. Not that they're going to need him to win anyway. There are a lot of people that disagree with you on that. I am really? seeing a ton of Falcons love, and I can't figure it out to save my life. I can't either because, uh, w- well, I know it really doesn't matter all that much, but they are on the road for this one. Uh, well, they're not in a dome, uh, right. and Matt Ryan doesn't tend to do well in that scenario. Was the weather in Charlotte like it was here this morning? Because that could have an effect on the game as well. Uh, I mean, it's from what I've seen, there's nothing that's going to be a weather issue this evening. Yeah. But it's down to a one point, oh, it's going to rain. Oh. There you go. Uh, but that doesn't benefit the Falcons. No, it doesn't. They can't run to save their lives. If anything, that makes me like the Panthers more. Yeah, that was kind of my point. Was I? I don't see where people are coming with the Atlanta Falcons' love on this one. Because uh, I think just looking at them, you can tell who who is the better team right now. You got one team that's riding the wave of a new quarterback, and you know this whole new offensive system and their new head coach. And you've got the other one that doesn't really have a head coach right now. Their only head coach is a former failed Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, which doesn't really, you know, it's not really that bad because their only other choice was another failed Buccaneers head coach. 
to take over for their failed coach who used to be in Seattle. I mean, it's it's just garbage everywhere. They find ways to lose ball games. I mean, their running back last week fell into the end zone accidentally even after Matt Ryan and Raheem Morris and everyone says we told him not to score. And he fell into the end zone anyway just to set up the other team for a game-winning touchdown. Like, this is the same team that went up against the god-awful Dallas Cowboys and did not jump on a, on an onside kick. What makes you believe that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win anything, ever? <laughs> I don't get it. I guess I'm just looking at it going, the combined win-loss record of the teams that um, Carolina has lost to is 17-9. and mm-hmm. I mean, they've lost to good teams. Right. Atlanta is not one of those. And yet I'm seeing a ton of love for the Falcons. Somebody on Twitter said they would bet me $100,000 on the Falcons, and I was like, oh, but I want to so bad. I want to so bad. I couldn't uh, I couldn't pay that up. but uh, I, I couldn't either. If I could, I would have already done it. I couldn't but, match that. Uh, if, if anybody wants to... <laughs> never mind. <Okay. laughs> if anyone wants to back you. If anybody knows how to come up with $100,000 in five hours. No, 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 no. This spells disaster. Yeah. We don't... This, this ultimately leads to me having both thumbs broken by... <laughs> Somebody that looks like they played on The Sopranos. <laughs> or something horribly illegal taking place. Yeah, I, all Which of we don't things. need to be known for inciting. All that of kind those of thing. things are bad. No, definitely not. Uh speaking of speaking of digits, we got a couple of uh couple of players. <laughs> That's totally not I thought the segue was gonna be uh us having Chief David Zack on tomorrow. Oh, that would have been the that way would to have go. Been the I wouldn't have been way. thinking about it yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, we will have uh uh the Chiefs picks coming up this week. A brand new segment with Asheville Police Chief David Zach. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this. I'm glad somebody has taken on the challenge of competing with me. And I just so happen to really like this guy, too. Absolutely. Uh, hanging out with him. Uh, hanging out with him has been uh, has been an adventure. I will say that. Well, because he, uh, two of the times we've hung out with him, his bills have been playing my Jets, and both times right. it's gone his way. Well, of course, and he's it such did. a gracious winner. It? No, did you expect? It I don't expect us to beat anybody ever. <laughs> but he's such a gracious winner, which I'm a huge fan of. Because trust me, playing against the Jets, you could take a lot of shots at my team. Right. No, the segue I was trying there was speaking of digits. We have a couple of a uh, couple of players in the NFL apparently have come down with some finger injuries that are going to keep them out of uh, out of competition for a little while. See what you did there. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you. Uh, but the number one thing everybody's talking about is oh, taking no. the world by storm. The coronavirus. I, <laughs> I literally listened to Max Kellerman the whole way here, and he developed a headache in me. <laughs> uh, they're still going overboard about this Justin uh, Justin Turner thing. Cannot wrap their heads around the fact that he had already been around his teammates for the entire day while being COVID positive. They just hadn't confirmed it yet. Like, we all understand this, right? It wasn't like a, a switch was flipped in the eighth inning and they went, oh, oh now oh, you're now contagious. Now we know, so now <laughs> you're contagious. <laughs> exactly. Look, Max Kellerman blamed the Rona on, on, literally on Justin Turner in the, in the 20 minutes it took me to get here today. Blamed it on Justin Turner, then blamed the Dodgers, and then blamed uh, the, the the Rona on why Cam Newton has been a terrible quarterback. Oh, my gosh. 
You mean that, that virus he had that didn't give him so much as a symptom? You mean that's why he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> right. That's an interesting theory, Max. Uh, we're we're no longer calling this the Wuhan flu. This is now the Space Jam flu. I, uh, I guess. Because <laughs> it just sucks all of your athletic ability out of you. Yeah, in the 4 o'clock hour, I'm going to tell you why that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> But no, Max Kellerman actually trying to make the case that there should be criminal charges. Criminal! I, if somebody, and that's going down a path, but yes, it, it's it's insane. It's ridiculous. The uh, Major League Baseball is now investigating Justin Turner, and they're, and that's the thing, they're being very open about this. Is this not the baseballiest thing you've ever seen? Right, like, you... You know, you would think that they would treat this something sort of in the ballpark of, I don't know, a sign-stealing scandal, where they tried their dangdest not to let that become the story. They tried everything they could not to steer into that skid, and which we have made the case that maybe they should have steered into that skid and embraced a villain and created a villain, <laughs> and now... Instead of focusing on what should be a joyous moment of the Los Angeles Dodgers doing something that they haven't done in 32 years, they are now going after Justin Turner because he may have spent a little extra time next to his teammates who he had already infected, if that is going to be the path this goes down. I want you to think about what I'm getting ready to say here. We are two days removed from... The L.A. Dodgers winning their first World Series in 32 years. Uh And right now, the two leading stories on ESPN about baseball are a player who he had the Rona, he was on the field, and he shouldn't have. And the other one is that the White Sox just hired the same manager they had in 1984. (laughs) Because... Baseball. Baseball. Exactly. And the the other thing here is, is there is legitimate talk about suspending Justin Turner for like up I've heard as much as fifteen games next season. To start out the year, he's gonna be suspended because he put others at risk by going back onto the field after he knew he was positive for COVID nineteen. Now again, no one wants to look at the fact that oh, he had already been around those people all day. <laughs> as a positive person because the test didn't happen in the middle of the game. The test happened before the game. They verified the test from before the game that said he was positive. So he had to spend the entire day around all of these people, and now they're upset because he went back onto the field with them later to celebrate something that they've been trying to do for years, and now they, they might suspend him for that. Now, what makes this even funnier to me is the fact that it was Justin Turner if you remember the 27, was that right? 2017 World Series where the Houston Astros carried out the sign stealing scandal, beat the LA Dodgers in the World Series. The number one guy to speak out against Major League Baseball for its, its stupidity of not suspending any of the players that were involved in the scandal was Justin Turner. Remember, he was the one that came out and was talking about Rob Manfred. Like, you should be, uh, you should lose the title of commissioner altogether. We should remove your name from the World Series trophy because you called it a hunk of metal in a press conference. That was Justin Turner. And now they're talking about possibly suspending him for 15 games for going back out onto the field with people he had already congregated against uh, or congregated around all day long. And they did nothing to the Houston Astros players for the sign-stealing scandal that fraudulently 
potentially, fraudulently, fraudulently won them a World Series. I find that incredibly ironic. It just so happens that this guy could be suspended for doing something that any of us would have done. I, I don't think there's another person that's ever participated in in you know uh, athletic competition and th- would be in that same position and go yeah I'm not going back at, I'm not going out there to celebrate what I've worked for all year long well hell and in his case for seven years six years however long he's been with the Dodgers they've been on the cusp of completing this task. I don't think there's anyone among us that I heard Keyshawn uh, Johnson talking this morning. They asked him that question, like, if it's were you, Keyshawn, would you have gone back out there with your teammates? And he hesitated. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever, knowing Keyshawn Johnson when he was a player, and he was remember a member of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during the Super Bowl run. There's no way that Keyshawn Johnson should ever think about that because he knows that deep down in his heart, he would have been on that field and he would have cared. A hundred percent. He would not have cared. See, you're you're stuck on the Justin Turner story, and I think my brain just protects me from these things. Like, they just they can't filter past, so it can't hit my brain. Here's what I'm stuck on. Do you realize that the first time the Chicago White Sox hired Tony LaRosa, <laughs> that Tommy Lasorda was in his third year as the Dodgers manager? In 1979. In 1980. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's how long that's been. Yep. I, I mean, it just blows my mind. <laughs> but, you know, it, this is baseball looking at the NFL and going, you know what? We're not going to allow you to have a coach that's older than a, one of ours. Uh, you you just got Romeo Cornell, Mr. 73-year-old elder, elder statesman, taking over for the Houston Texans. Baseball said, nope, we got to have one older. This was two years before Mike Ditka took over the Bears. I'll give you a million dollars right now if you can tell me who coached the Bears when Tony LaRusso got hired. Oh, I've got no shot at that. Uh, Neil Armstrong, not the one that landed on the moon. (laughs) Somebody else. I think it would have been weirder if it had been the other way around. I kind of wish it was. It would have been way funnier that way. (laughs) Jerry Sloan was the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh Uh-huh. I have a lot of these that I'm going to throw out over the course of the day <laughs> because it's the most preposterous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, the Chicago White Sox uh, have hired 76-year-old Tony Larusa to be their new manager. Look, we knew this was a possibility. We knew he was the he was one of the chief candidates. They talked. They've been talking about this for weeks that this could be a possibility. And now, after you know, not being a manager since. 2011 and only serving in like front office roles uh you know player personnel roles he's coming back to manage a ball club my question is is it is it too much of a different game now or can you just run a baseball team forever we'll talk about it coming up next right here on espn Asheville 92.9 fm 880 am and 1400 You're in the sports tank. That's the f- way I feel when my team wins. And if I f- want to jump up and down when my f- team wins, and if I want to hug my f- players when they f- do good, I'm going to do it. All right, it's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Throwing it back to the early days of Tony LaRusso's managing career. Yep, this is the number one song in the country when uh, he got hired by the White Sox the first time. <laughs> 
And now it's 2020, and Tony Larusa back in the saddle for the first team that gave him his uh, his managerial debut in Major League Baseball. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. But like, does do you think he can still do it? Do you think he like is baseball so removed from what it used to be? Or do you think he's just that game management style always will will resonate to baseball? I think a seventy six year old man being in charge of a team is the most baseball y thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the agree. good thing is he can take a nap in the seventh inning stretch and nobody will notice. <laughs> I, I think it's the most laughably stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't know. I don't know. I, if, hey, we'll see. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, of course he is. But I don't know. Will the, that management style of the the eighties and nineties will it translate well to players in twenty twenty? I just I, don't understand why, especially with a team that's so young. Like, see, that's the thing that concerns me the most: is, is this seventy six year old man going to be able to, you know, relate to his young players? And I just don't know if that's. I don't. I don't know if that's. I think it's important to running a team to bringing people together to getting everybody in line for one single goal. You have to relate somehow to these people. He's old enough to be some of, some of them's great granddad. And, uh, you're pushing it there, but you're close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, I I don't get it. I, I, why my biggest question, why would you come back? You went out on top in 2011. Won a World Series and rode off into the sunset. Right. Why does nobody stay written off into the sunset anymore? <laughs> well, it's because he's had success in the uh, you know in, in in executive roles. I mean, he was he was like vice president of baseball operations or something for the Red Sox when they won it in 2018. So, I guess he still feels like he's got something to to give to the game still. And at 76 years old, I mean, this is obviously. This obviously can be can only be a short term thing. Uh well, yeah. Mean, four years. You got. I mean, you got four years, if that. And I'd take the under. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. They feel like they've got a shot to win, and I don't know that they're completely wrong about that, but. I don't know. Just with the, the with the way teams are winning baseball games today, it just seems you know there's there's not a whole lot of room in the game anymore for fundamental type preachings. I, in my opinion, yeah, I'm I'm we're this far into it. I'm already t- I'm already tired of talking you're about already, baseball. You're already tapping out. I Jesus. already need my own level of nap. <laughs> it's just the game's not the same anymore. You don't have guys. I mean, I mean, it's like the the, the discussions and the, and the criticism that Kevin Cash took for taking out Blake Snell in the in the last game of the World Series in Game Six. He's dealing. He's five and a, you know five and a thirds inning into the game, and he takes him out because the metrics don't say that he's going to do well the third time around against that order, going up against Mookie Betts and and the like. So they took him out of the game. It's it's not the same game anymore. Like if it, years ago, if you had a starting pitcher in and he was dealing for five and a thirds innings, 
you're not going to take him out after he gives up one hit. In fairness, Bob Browning did just point something out to me. What's that? Jack McKeon was 80 the last time he took over the Marlins. Yeah, that's And Dusty true. Baker is 71 right now. Very true. He has a very it's good point. New. I I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I like it. Because baseball. Because. I, I don't have... <laughs> I mean, no NFL team would do this. No NFL team would do this. They just handed over the Texans to Romeo Cornell. Do you think they're going to give him the job full-time? No, probably not. No! (laughs) They're going to hire some 40-year-old guy that's young, hotshot, because that's what football does. Baseball goes... Can Davey Johnson still manage? Is is that a thing? I don't know. I feel like uh, the Dallas Cowboys just proved you wrong. They took they took, they took old Mike McCarthy, who we all knew was trash years ago. Mike McCarthy's not nearly as old as you think. No, he is. I don't think he's, he's not that old. That's not the comparison I'm making. I'm just saying you can't say that he can't do it anymore. The <laughs> last time he was on the field, he won it all. I. I just don't. I don't understand it. And this all, is what has Dusty Baker coached? He's managed every team in the league, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's just no, there's no Sean McVay's in Major League Baseball. They don't exist. Uh, and the and, and one of the few that we thought we had just got crushed for taking out Blake Snell because right. of the metrics. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I will say Tony Larusa probably would not have taken him out. Hell, and, I, and I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe this is what we need. This is what we need. We need to just turn the clock back to 1979. <laughs> Isn't that what baseball does anyway? 1879. Yeah, there you go. The sports tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. Speaking of. Oh, boy. Speaking of America's pastime. Um, New York. Mayor Bill de Blasio is uh, he's sending the legal dogs out after Stephen Cohen. They do not want to let Steve Cohen, hedge fund billionaire, take over the New York Mets. Of course they Bill don't. de Blasio is trying his darndest to make sure that this does not happen. And there he's got people, he's got these lawyers combing through doing their due diligence, he says. Uh, to try to figure out how to block this move from happening. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I don't know what the legitimate reason is for the friction there. I don't know why he's so against Steve Cohen, but I don't think it's for the reason that he's trying to get the deal blocked. Have you seen why? what legal basis they're trying to use here? I have not. The legal basis that he's trying to use is uh, apparently there is language uh, I guess in the major league charter or whatever, that any person that has been convicted in a criminal proceeding or a felony uh, for a felony or any crime involving moral turpitude or that is an organized crime figure shall not have dealings with major league baseball teams. Now, they are linking this to Cohen's former hedge fund, SAC Capital Advisors, which pleaded guilty to insider training charges in 2013 and paid $1.8 billion in fines. Eight traders from SAC were either convicted or pleaded guilty to similar charges, but Cohen 
reached a civil deal with the SEC that reprimanded him for failing to oversee his people properly and agreed to a two-year ban from managing outside money. So they're trying to make it like he's, you know, because all of his people got in trouble and he was just given a slap on the wrist by the SEC. They're trying to link him in with, I guess, organized crime. I... Because of course you would. I mean, this is one of the most New York stories I've ever heard, and I can't wait to see to to, to, to dive more into this to see if there is or if any if anything will come out about a background between Bill De Blasio and Steve Cohen. I'm not aware of one. I have I, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> Who knows? This is the most played baseball's ever gotten on this show because my story's about it too. <laughs> The L.A. Dodgers' six-game win over the Tampa Bay Rays received an average television rating 32% below the previous World Series low. The six games on Fox averaged a 5.2 rating, a 12 share, and 9.7 million viewers. Wow. The previous low was a 7.6, 12 share, 12.6 million viewers between the Giants and the Tigers, which was a four-game sweep for the Giants. Now... The reason that I'm telling you this story is to tell you, would you like to know what shows have beaten the World Series this year? Ooh, uh, I'm interested. Lego Masters on Fox, <laughs> which is literally a show where random people build things out of Legos. Yep. America's Funniest Home Videos. I didn't know that was still on television. <laughs> Uh, something called Stump Town. Stump Town. I don't know what that is. That has got to be a medical show about amputees. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> and last but not least, and this one's my favorite, The Masked Singer. Not the show. The Masked Singer after the mask. The post-game Masked Singer show oh beat the gosh. World Series. That's awful. Are you kidding me? <laughs> First of all, I need to know what do they talk about on the Mass Singer post game show? Like Mark Sanchez what? takes the thing off yeah. and they go, "Hey, did that's Mark Sanchez?" Yeah, I can't. Do you know believe. what he did? Yeah, because a lot of people watching this show probably don't know. <laughs> they showed the butt fumble fourteen times. And, yeah, uh, the the and I can't. You can't make this up. The number one thing that was behind the World Series, the first show that it beat this year, okay, was. Was Saturday Night Football. Saturday Night Football. It's the regional ABC game that's only played in certain markets. Oh, wow. They don't play that up north, and they don't play it out west. Right. It only plays <laughs> for a third of the nation. <laughs> was that the Auburn game? No, no, no. That's the average of every Saturday oh, Night of Football all game. Of them. Yes. Gosh. It only plays in the south right. and the southeast. That's it. It only plays from Texas East. Baseball's got a problem. Uh, A little bit. A little bit. I believe it does have a little bit of one. Yeah, the ratings weren't good. The baseball was good, though. It's just, it's so hard to keep, to, to one, gain any traction right now going up against football. And even, I know, I know game six had, had no competition with football because it was on a Tuesday night. But people just checked out people checked out of the baseball season and i feel like a lot of them did to begin with like 60 game season i'm not even bothering i don't care i'm done and then as your team was eliminated you just sloughed it off didn't care like like i did kind of 
<laughs> I mean, keep an outside eye on it. But my team's not in it. And I don't care. I was so locked into baseball. It's so sad it's over. <laughs> and I know you just can't wait. I mean, we've only got uh, 14 minutes till it starts all over. Yeah, again. I was going to say, we've only got uh, about three months before pitchers and catchers report again. Stunner. And now they're talking dark days. Dark days are ahead. There's drama in the winter, the winter meetings. It's going to be crazy. Because the salary, you know, the, the luxury tax is going to come down and. Oh, free agents aren't going to sign for what they thought they were going to get. It's going to be chaos. Well, I mean, there's going to be chaos everywhere. Of course there is. There's going to be chaos but everywhere how much because int- you but, lost so much money. But that's the thing is how much how much interest will that generate? It's not going to it's not going to generate any more than it did last year. I I mean, I agree with you. Right. I don't know. I feel like they've just got an image problem right now. And the coronavirus thing doesn't make it any better. I mean, obviously the optics are bad, but the fact that the, the fact that you're giving people a reason to make fun of you is beyond me. It's so baseball. <laughs> I, I, basically, all of today has been because baseball, uh huh, or because coronavirus. Uh, so Wisconsin had to cancel the game this weekend. Because they've got six players and six staff members that have tested positive for the coronavirus. So they had to cancel the game this weekend uh-huh. with Nebraska. But see, now here's the thing I don't understand. How does this not guarantee they're going to miss three games? Because that hasn't been reported yet. If this is because of the percentages and all of these people had to sit out for 21 days, you're going to miss three games and you're done. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you're done anyway. Oh, yeah. The fact that they are missing the missing a game. Uh-huh. Is going to throw everything out. And this is exactly what I tried to tell mm-hmm. you. This is verbatim what I tried to tell you about the Big Ten. Right. And you would not listen to me. Because no, guess I, what? I've it, been making this this case as well. If they miss no, a no, game, no, they're no, done. No, 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 no. Well, you, you, yes, that. Right. This is going to get Ohio State, too. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay, all right, so here's here's my, my point with that. All right, so Wisconsin is now basically irrelevant. So you've got Nebraska that's only going to play, what, seven games? Because they have an eight-game schedule, it's the seven or eight plus one, right? Right. Yeah. So now Nebraska's th- th- their first win. They're only playing seven games. Uh, you're going to have whoever else is on the Wisconsin schedule between now and then, which is Nebraska, Purdue, and Michigan. Michigan game goes bye bye. No way it can't. Not yeah. if you're adhering to what you said. Mm-hmm. Because you said if they test positive and it's confirmed, they have to sit for 21 days. Yes, you did. Which means you're either going to have more cases or just as many as you have right now. Not necessarily, because maybe the did they word it in a way that said active cases? Because they, they worded it in a way cases. that said as soon as you're positive, mm-hmm. you're out for right. 21 days. Right. The athlete has to quarantine for 21 uh-huh. days, but that doesn't mean that that's still an active case. No, but you. According to their rules, if you have more than five percent of your scholarship players are, are are out, you're out. You have ninety scholarship players. Mm-hmm. You have six that are out here. I am no math wizard, but I can tell you if you have six people and there's less than a hundred scholarship players, right. that's over five percent. Right. I don't. I don't know that to be true. You. I don't right. know that to be. I'm just. I, all I'm doing is reading the press releases right. they put out right. and going. Uh, something's off here. Right. I feel like we would have gotten a definitive word on that by now, if that were the case. But I could be wrong. 
The only thing I'm... I'll go ahead and tell you. I, let me just... I'm going to go ahead and say this. Mm-hmm. If it's not the case, I'm going to crush Kevin Warren. Every breath I can get out of my mouth. Because I told you this won't work. Right. The way this was all scripted, it won't work. And what he's going to try to do is backpedal and hope nobody figures it out. Mm-hmm. I already have. Uh, so you're down one. Somebody's already figured it out. I promise you I'm not going to be the only one. Right. And I'm just reading it directly off the press clippings mm-hmm. that came from the desk of Kevin Warren. Mm-hmm. You did this to you. Once they test negative, maybe that no longer counts toward the case because you no longer have an active case, if, if, I'm, if that makes sense to you. So even though they by the rules, the players can't come back for 21 days, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stay in that category of an active case. I think that's the only wiggle room around this. I would agree with that. And so, because everything, because all of their color coding and stuff had to do with active cases. How many percentage of active cases do you have on campus? Because if you got to a certain level in the student body, didn't have any on the football team, but you had a certain level in the student body, you you could be at risk of shutting down. So, I think it goes, I think that's the way this goes. I don't think because you have to sit out three weeks your count the the same guys that were out this week because they tested positive once they test negative i think they come off that roll well but that's, that's me not, assuming that it, exactly right. that's not how it was phrased mm-hmm. how it was phrased when they when this whole plan to come back and oh the big tens being so responsible another been dumb because it doesn't make sense right what was said is that you have to have 95 plus percent of your scholarship athletes you're not going to have that under any circumstances because for the next six. three weeks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's if you're going to adhere to these stupid rules that people like me said that can't work, then they're gonna have to forfeit two more games, <laughs> right? Or not even it's not even forfeit them; they're just gonna be canceled. Cancel because you can't you can't make them up. There's no time in the schedule. And here's the th- and Big Ten, you did it to yourself. They did, and, and I have no sympathy whatsoever. And here's the thing: is like they're not only uh, they're not only punching themselves in the face with their uh, you know ridiculous rules but even when a school comes up with a backup plan they're just hammering it home oh the big 10 will not allow nebraska to change opponents this week because they have no non-conference opponents rule so they're not going to allow them to slip ut chattanooga on the schedule which both sides were ready to get this deal done nebraska was going to pay the freight on utc to travel up there, to be tested, all of it. And the Big Ten has said no. Am I the only <laughs> one that thinks Nebraska's doing this on purpose? What do you mean? I think Nebraska's doing this on purpose. I think they keep trying to make the Big Ten look bad because the Big Ten did it to them. I don't know that that's... Uh, Why I else would you do it? You know they're yeah. not going to agree to it. You know they're not going to agree to it. There was never a doubt in this world that they were going to let Nebraska play UT Chattanooga. Right. Where'd the story come from? We know it for a reason. Because Nebraska wanted us to know it. Apparently UTC came out with it. Uh, let me tell you. Let me, let me, let me explain you something to you about reporting. how... And, and that's fine. Yeah. Let me explain something to you about how college athletics works. If Nebraska and UT Chattanooga have this worked out, and Nebraska says this stays between us, guess what? It stays between us. Because that's no their doubt. payday game. Because there was probably some wink, wink, nudge, nudge agreement that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this a couple times and make sure you get that big old check. Right. 
So if Nebraska didn't want it out there, it wouldn't be out there. Agreed. And I'll bet I'll I wouldn't be shocked at all. Well, you know what? Be. I'm totally. I, I, I'm I'm just I'm assuming things. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be shocked if if uh, AD Moose looked at UT Chattanooga and said, "You know what? If they put the kibosh on this game." Kind of be cool if you told everybody. Yeah. Kind of be cool if you told everybody <laughs> that they were the ones that shut this down. And Dr. Jay Blackman, the uh, Senior Associate Athletics Director for Strategic Communications, is apparently the one from UTC uh, to confirm the story to ESPN. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's it's funny to me. That here you have a team that is, you know, wants to play, knows that they're going to be hurt, if they miss a game and they come up with a solution for it, the Big Ten still says no. Again, we go back to the to the same arguments that we were throwing out when they were making their decision. Should we come back? Should we not come back? Whatever. This is another one of those send a message moments to recruits. Uh-huh. Oh, you don't. Oh, Nebraska's look, look, trying to make care. it known. Right. We don't agree with this. Exactly. Don't lump us into this. Just absolute nightmare disaster that has been the Big Ten. Uh-huh. Don't lump us into that. We care. We want to play football. We want you to come here and win games with us. Mm-hmm. I am more encouraged though today than ever, and then I and then I have before all season with the NFL finding out that we're getting positive tests, and the teams are doing nothing about it. And I love it. The New York Giants and the LA Chargers. Both have positive tests. They're sending players home. They're not shutting down their facilities anymore. Well, I mean, this uh, look, this is, and I'm not trying to politicize this. There was just a a poll put out of. Do you know what percentage of people are still worried about this virus? <laughs> is it close to what I said yesterday? Uh, is it like fifteen uh, percent? You're too low. Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, that's come down from thirty eight a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at some point you have to get, and I've been saying this and I've gotten, I've gotten some ugly things on social media and you know what? I'm a big boy. I can take it. I'm, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. At some point you have to understand, you have to find a way to move on, whatever that way is, you know, the, 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 the fear mongering can keep happening, but at some point you have to come up with a plan that says, this is how we're going to move forward. And that's what I feel like the NFL is doing. Exactly. And, the, and, and of course it's the NFL, mm-hmm. the most forward thinking of all the leagues. And you've got baseball that's worried about, Ooh, we had a guy that may or may not have had a positive test that may or may not have been on the field with somebody else's family. And that's what you're talking about. Two days after your championship has been decided. Yeah. One sport's really popular, one sport's dying. Which one do you think is which? Uh, If you have not done so, you need to link your Ingalls Advantage card to your favorite school in the area today. Every time you use your Ingalls Advantage card, the school will get credit through the Tools for Schools program. Ingalls-Markets.com slash Tools for Schools. Go link your Ingalls Advantage card uh, with your favorite school today. And the more you use that card, the more credit your school gets, the more money they get in return to buy uh, much-needed supplies. Over the past 20 years, Ingalls Markets has contributed over $15 million. Actually, it's over $16 million now to schools in towns where Ingalls stores are located. Ingalls-Markets.com slash tools for schools. You've been practicing for months, and now that dedication and vigilance is about to pay off. 
The Big Orange Tent is back at the Asheville Mall. That mask that you actually want to wear is a short drive away at Halloween Express. With shipments arriving daily, you'll find the perfect Halloween costume, mask, or decoration. From kids to adults, scary to funny, Halloween Express has Western North Carolina's largest selection. You can't miss the Big Orange Tent and the Asheville Mall parking lot. Open 10 to 9 Monday through Saturday, 12 to 7 on Sunday. Navigating the local real estate market can be confusing and a major hassle. Know when to buy, know when to sell. Which neighborhood fits all of your family's needs? You need a friend in the business. Perhaps a native who knows where to look to find what you need. Whether buying or selling, let Matt Light of Keller Williams Mountain Partners be your local real estate connection. Call Matt at 772-7605. That's 772-7605 or go to mattlightproperties.com. That's L-E-I-C-H-T. Coffee, the clothes is on. Get him the money. Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the money. Welcome back to the Sports Tank, ESPN Asheville, 92.9, 880, and 1400. Ah, it's good to be picking football again. I got two college football picks and then two from the NFL this evening. First of all, we got the South Alabama Jaguars and the Georgia Southern Eagles. Georgia Southern's quarterback's questionable, and South Alabama's getting more than a field goal here. It's four point spread. I'm going to take South Alabama plus four. When these two teams played last year, it was twenty. It was a 22-17 game in double overtime. Not going to be a lot of points on the board here. I don't know if Georgia Southern's quarterback's going to play. It's look. He's going to be a complete game time decision. Either way, you've been splitting reps. Short week. Give me South Alabama. The other one, the Colorado State Rams. Play the Fresno State Bulldogs. What have I routinely said this year about new coaches? I don't like new coaches in their first game. Guess what Colorado State has? A new, new coach. coach. Steven Azio's first game with Colorado State, they made a big deal that, oh, they're returning 13 starters. I don't really care. This team's not good. They won four games last year, and it's a whole new system, whole new everything. Fresno State has a new quarterback, lost their opener, you know, it is what it is. They played a game Colorado State hasn't, and I'm okay. getting points. Give me Fresno State plus two. Tonight in the NFL, Thursday night football, Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. For some reason, this number's coming down. And that makes zero sense to me. It's down to Carolina minus a point and a half. I'm only laying a point and a half to the terrible Falcons on a short week. I'm fine with that. Give me the Carolina Panthers minus one and a half. I think they're going to win this game by at least a touchdown. I think there's going to be points scored, so I want the over 52. Carolina minus one and a half over the 52. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. It's almost like free money. I, I, I And I have more free money for you at the end of the next hour. <laughs> and uh, then I have all the free money for you uh, tomorrow. Nice. Uh, that's when we'll have the uh, Monkey Knife Fight coming up at the end of the next hour. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. DFS uh, is Daily Fantasy Sports Prop Bets. If you haven't started an account, do so today. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Use the promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. They will match your initial investment up to $50 and also enter you into a special contest just for using the promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. Now, ACC football championship game has officially been set for December 19th. It is decided. But of course it was. Uh, You you told us at the beginning of this thing it was either going to be the 12th or the 19th. You've already scheduled some games for the 12th, so I feel like uh, this is not really uh, an announcement that we needed, but 
Uh, it's officially set for Bank of America Stadium on December 19th. Now that is until they have to move it again. Because <laughs> I don't think we're done moving games. I mean, we've made it through the first little part of the season and only had a few games to move, but do you, do you by any means think that this is over? This is not going to keep being a problem? Mm. Definitively setting championship games right now makes makes me feel uneasy about the whole thing. I still maintain you're going to have so many things happen that you're going to have to push all of these back. Right. I, I still don't buy it. I mean, the Big Ten showing you right now why setting steadfast deadlines is a bad idea. <laughs> but now the ACC has come so far. I mean, let's let's really be honest here. What could happen that would make you go, well, we got to let that game happen to figure out who's going to play in the championship? Notre Dame, Carolina, end of the season. You've already moved one game. Or actually, both of them have to play the next week now. Notre Dame's had a game moved back. Carolina rescheduled uh, or, or scheduled uh, Charlotte to take over, or no, Western Carolina to take over for the Charlotte game. So they're both playing on December 12th now. So if you had to move that game for some, for any reason, you wouldn't be able to make it up the next week. I, I mean, that would be a game that would matter. I mean, let's let's be really honest. Notre Dame between then and now plays, you know, they're going to lose to Clemson. They're probably going to get demolished. Possibly. So uh, if, if Carolina wins out and Notre Dame doesn't lose another game until they play, you're going to have Carolina that has a, an ugly loss to Florida State mm-hmm. and Notre Dame that has a just getting dismantled by Clemson. Does it matter that much? All right, we'll talk Tar Heel football coming up after Sports Center. Jones Angel going to join us to preview this week's games. This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400 ESPN Asheville. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Yes, it is Thursday. It is time to catch up with Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, CSPN Asheville, your local home for Tar Heels football and basketball. And uh, last week, Jones was... Was nice. It was nice to see that a good rebound after the, uh, the 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 Florida State thing. Yeah, I thought Carolina was really impressive last week. You know, uh, and Mac Brown said so. You know, Tank after the uh, after the game, where he said he felt like it was the most complete performance that the Tar Heels have had so far this season. And I think that's right. You know, obviously the the offense has just been humming at a high level and continued to do so. You know, with the 326 yards on the ground, more than 550 yards of total offense for the third straight game, first time in Carolina history that it's done that. Um, but I thought the defense played well, uh, had some big uh, turnovers in that game, something the Tar Heels had not done very often uh, to that point in the season. Uh, they had created just two in the first four games of the year and, and got four the other day. And special teams, you know, missed one field goal, but other than that, you know, kickoffs continue to be great. Had a couple returns in there, some good punting. So, you know, all the way around, just a, a good performance for the Heels. And 
uh, one I'm sure they enjoyed, and uh, but then had to put away and get ready for another one coming up this weekend against Virginia. Mm, I think a 27 point win over your uh, over your one of your biggest rivals is uh, is is better than just a little okay. Uh, <laughs> I think they enjoyed that uh, quite immensely. Although, move on to the next one. Got Virginia coming up uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, what I think Carolina really did enjoy in that game was how physical the Tar Heels were. And I think they did that up front uh, with their offensive line. Uh, they did it with some big hits defensively. But, Tank, I can't remember a game where the ball carrier was finishing runs as physically as the Tar Heels were doing in that game against NC State. And, and even if Carolina was eventually tackled on the collision yeah, the Tar Heels were the one, really, that got the better of the hit uh, a lot of times, even when, when they had the football. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was just a really physically impressive game for Carolina. And, and it showed in the final box score, too. You know, it talked about all the rushing yards, 326 of them. But Carolina held the ball for, for nearly 40 minutes in the game compared to just about 20 for NC State. Uh, I, I thought Carolina wore State down a little bit in that game uh, just by holding the ball and running the ball so effectively, being so physical. And no matter how what great shape you're in or how motivated you are, it, eventually that, that wears you down. And it was a hot day in Keenan. You know, it, was, it felt much more like an early September game than, in, than a late October game. And so it, it was a, a satisfying win for sure for the Tar Heels and, and one they wanted to bounce back from a performance they did not feel like they gave themselves the best chance in that matchup against Florida State the week before. And so now I think the, the question is, you know, can you, in a very similar set of circumstances to the Florida State game a couple weeks ago, can you handle this situation better if you're the Tar Heels? And so they get that opportunity coming up on uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. This, this seems to be like one of the most undersold rivalries in college football to me. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, you know, I think it's certainly a long one. We know that. It's the, the oldest one in the South. It's the second most played game in college football history, with uh, this one coming up this weekend being the 125th meeting. Um, the schools are very similar as far as the academic institutions. Um, the football programs have been relatively similar. You know, I think uh, if you look back at the whole history, Carolina's um, maybe a little bit richer but i'm as far as the history but i'm sure a virginia fan could argue the other way and and it's relatively close so um they are very similar in that way um and it has not been as contentious a rivalry as maybe that state game has been or maybe even a virginia tech game has been in recent years for carolina but gosh tank you go back a couple of years ago and you know that there was that long losing streak the tar heels had in Charlottesville that went from the early 80s all the way to the 2010s when Carolina didn't win a game in Charlottesville in the 90s when Mac Brown was here the first time. Um, I think Florida State was probably the biggest thorn in Carolina's side, particularly when the heels were good um, late in that tenure. But, but Carolina had a couple of tough defeats up in Charlottesville against Virginia. And, you know, George Welsh had the program really playing at a high level. So it's a long-standing, deep rivalry between two similar schools and two similar football programs. Um, and I think it's, it's hard 
for both of these teams to be really good at the same time. And so I, I think you've seen some long streaks of success from one team against the other one. You know, Virginia's won three in a row. Before that, Carolina had won seven straight in this series. And so um, certainly an important game in, in a normal year when the divisions are still in play. This is a Coastal Division matchup. Um, Carolina, while it focuses on the state of North Carolina first, the Tar Heels do go into Virginia and try to get recruits. They consider that part of their natural recruiting area, so they'll, they'll knock heads with the Cavaliers every now and then in that regard. Um, so it, it's an important game for sure, and, and one that the Tar Heels would like to show well in here coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I know Dre Bly's been spending a lot of time in Virginia uh, with, <laughs> with a lot of his targets for the, for the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think you know one of the the biggest recruits Carolina's picked up since Mac Brown arrived is Tony Grimes, yep. and uh, the the really talented cornerback who is from uh, the Virginia Beach area, and Virginia Virginia Tech, and and just about everybody else went went hard after Tony Grimes. Now you know he's at Carolina now; he's supposed to be a high school senior, so he's not playing a ton right this second because he did come early and is in this unique scenario. But you know he's on the Tar Heel too deep. There's a potential he could play coming up this weekend. And, and there's plenty of guys like that. There's plenty of really good players um, in the 22 class in the state of Virginia. So it's an important area for the Tar Heels for sure. Mm-hmm. It was good to see the bounce back last week after the uh, loss to Florida State. You get the win over the big rivalry, rival. Now you've got another rival this week. You've got another rival next week. You've got another rival after that. It's like, it's like rivalry row here as we're going to get ready to, uh, to play the other, <laughs> the other North Carolina teams and this Virginia squad before you have to go up against two of the top front runners uh in the acc as a whole oh yeah i mean carolinas has it's been a unique schedule and and to have this stretch of rivalry games then the Tarios do have a week off and then the two games you're you're alluding to notre dame and and miami which if carolina is able to continue to be successful those are going to be enormous games uh, against the irish and the hurricanes as far as the acc is concerned but you got to get there first and so you know i think what this stretch is going to show carolina is or it's going to prove about carolina is can the tar heels bring that emotion every single week And, and we talked about that some i think tank even before florida state and then after florida state of it wasn't that the Tar Heels weren't ready to play or didn't play hard, but it's just having that little extra edge going into a game. And you have to have that when you play teams. If you're North Carolina, you have to have that when you play NC State, when you play Wake Forest, when you play Virginia, when you play Duke, because the other team is going to have that edge, so you better have it too. And, you know, a minute ago I mentioned how similar I felt like this set of circumstances is this weekend compared to a couple weeks ago against Florida State, where if you're the Tar Heels, you're coming off a really impressive performance in a game that that you clearly wanted to win and played well in. Now you're going on the road for a late Saturday kick against a team that doesn't have a very good record right now but is better than their record might suggest and that is looking for something positive to happen in their season. And when Carolina was in Tallahassee, you know, that blocked punt, we talked about it last week, that, that blocked punt all of a sudden gave Florida State some energy and, and some unity on its team, and, and the Seminoles looked like a totally different squad when they were energized. So now, you know, has Carolina learned from this? 
Can the Tar Heels try to avoid allowing Virginia to get any kind of spark like that? Can Carolina be the aggressor, and not just in the second half, but the whole time? And so I do feel like this is this will be a fascinating game from Carolina's perspective as far as the growth of the program. Are they ready now, even though it's just a couple weeks later, are they better prepared and better uh, equipped to handle this now uh, than they were two weeks ago, and, and we'll find out. Yeah, did you learn from the lump? Is uh, it, right, <laughs> you know, d- because I I think it's not only going to be important for them to win these games, but to win them in convincing fashion. If you want to regain some of that clout, where you know people like us were talking about, I mean, this could be a team to be in the college football playoff should things you know go right. And if you want to regain some of that, much like Mac Brown was saying, if you're going to be in the top five, you need to play like you're in the top five. And if you want to be a team that they that we still believe is in the national picture, not only do you have to win these next games, but you have to win them uh, pretty convincingly. In my well, opinion, I think, yeah, and I think too, Tank, that it's you know it's easy to forget. <clears throat> excuse me, that Carolina is still growing into this. You know, half the half the team was on a team that won two games two years ago and that won three games the year before that. And so this is a new experience for this group. And so I I do think it's, it's the smaller steps of growth that you have to focus on. Whereas, yeah, I think just going on the road and and playing at a high level is something that Carolina wants to start to see uh, more consistently. Carolina's played five games so far this year. I think by far their three best performances have been the three times they played at home, and they looked really, really good. They've been on the road twice. They were able to survive an okay performance against BC and then you know, did not do as well against Florida State because they dug themselves such a deep hole. Really, really good teams, it doesn't matter where they're playing. They can play at that same level, whether it's in their home stadium or somewhere else. Yeah, Carolina has struggled in games later in the day, and especially on the road. That Florida State game was a late kick, 7.30, and it looked like the Tar Heels were a little sleepy early in that game. You know, this is a similar situation. You, you've got to be able, whether it's noon, 3.30, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 5 in the morning, to be able to have that same level of, of energy um, when it's time to kick it off. And, again, those are small things. But those are small things that you take for granted when you're really, really good because they're things that those type of teams have learned to do. And so for Carolina, I think those are all still steps of growth. They've taken, I mean, we know this, they've taken huge strides over the last few years. But there's still things they can do to improve on. And this weekend, I think, will give you a great look into the window of where they are in some of those smaller details. UNC Tar Heel football will be on ESPN Asheville tomorrow, 7 o'clock. The pregame will begin with Jones and the crew. 8 o'clock is the kickoff. Something we've been talking about, Jones, this week is we just it just kind of dawned on us here that we're less than a month away from college basketball season. Um, what what can you tell us about? Because <laughs> we don't have a schedule, we don't know what's gonna what what it's gonna look like yet. Yeah, I know. You know, I think Carolina has announced two games, to my knowledge, uh, that that have been publicly announced. One is the season opener, which is going to happen on November twenty fifth. 
um, here in the Smith Center. Uh, Tar Heels hosting College of Charleston. And then just earlier today, in fact, Tanky may have just been in the last hour or two, uh, that CBS Sports Classic that Carolina plays in, along with Kentucky and Ohio State and UCLA, um, that one was originally scheduled for Brooklyn this year. It has been moved to Cleveland, so a, a bit of a unique spot. Okay. Um, that the Tar Heels will be facing Ohio State um, in Cleveland on December the 19th. So those two games have been announced, uh, the, the season opener on the 25th and then December 19th. I have heard that the schedule should be out soon. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the full schedule, the hope was maybe even this week. Of course, now we're getting late in the week. It might be next week. But gracious, it has to happen soon. We're talking right. about uh, the, the scheduled beginning in, in three weeks. So uh, I know that that has to be coming soon, and it would help a, a lot of people for a lot of reasons um, when it did come out. Um, as far as the Tariels themselves, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a dramatically different team than the one you saw a year ago, uh, primarily because Carolina's brought in such a big and talented freshman class. And you're bringing in six rookies um, that are going to play and are going to play really early. And when you mix that in with some veteran guys who have both proven it and want to continue to improve, guys like Leaky Black, um, Garrison Brooks, even Armando Baycott, now a sophomore, you know, the, the, I think you have a really nice blend for Carolina basketball of what you're going to see this year. I, from going to practice a couple of times here over the last few weeks, the depth and the talent just jumps out compared to what it was a season ago for the Tar Heels. This is a more talented team and a much deeper team than what Carolina had to fight through due to a lot of different things uh, last season. Um, the, the other part of that I, that I think will be interesting, Tank, is, is just how, how does the game itself look? Will there be fans allowed? Mm-hmm. What, what is the media situation? I know, for example, for home games, we, we are not going to be allowed to be down on the court. In the Smith Center, we're going to have to move up and, and go and, and do it in a booth that's kind of at the mezzanine level in the Smith Center. Huh. We just found out that, that we're not allowed to go to Asheville and join you guys over there uh, oh, in, the, in the Maui Invitational that's being played in Asheville. We have to do those games remotely um, according to the rules set forth by the tournament. So, you know, there are all kinds of different things like that that I think some have been decided, some are being decided, and some still need to be decided as we move through the next few weeks. But everybody's trying to do the right thing. Everybody's trying to make it so that we can play this season and do so safely for the participants, the players, the coaches, the staff members that are going to be in the arena. And then you've got to figure out how many, if any, fans you're going to have. And so um, still a lot of questions, I think, uh, and not many answers, but, but I think we've all become used to that over the last six or seven months. Well, well, Jones, even if they won't let you in the building at Harris-Cherokee Center, Asheville, home of the, uh, home of the Maui Invitational this year, you, could come, you can come. We'll hang out with with you here in the studio you could do it yeah just fire uh, up a couple tvs we can do it in there <laughs> absolutely man uh no it's uh, yeah it's it's gonna be a, a weird year and uh, as you mentioned we do know so we know the the opening game for the tar heels we know they're going to be in the maui invitational uh starts on november the 30th here in yep. Asheville, um and i think they've got the afternoon game 
or, or the evening game. Uh, yeah, and I feel, of course game. I failed to mention that in talking about the games that have been scheduled. But of course, yes, the Maui Invitational has been set as well, and, right. and Carolina knows it will compete in the ACC Big Ten Challenge because they are still that event is uh, or that sequence of games is going to occur. Uh, Carolina is scheduled to be on the road this season in, in that event, so they do know they're going to have that game as well, plus the twenty conference games that they'll play in the ACC. So uh, they do they have a general idea, and I think that schedule is getting really close to completion. Uh, uh, but boy, it would be nice to be able to see it. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get more into it and, and the breakdown of the team and the new faces and all that kind of stuff uh, at a later date. But wanted to, yeah, pick your brain on the whole schedule thing. And now you're telling me that we've got to play Ohio State on uh, December 19th, so we're going to have to have split screen ACC championship with the Tar Heels and the and, and the Tigers, and uh, you know the basketball game on as well. I'll yeah, that's right. That. ACC just announcing <laughs> that's the date for the championship game. So hopefully we're hopefully we're really busy that day that's on right. the Tar Heel Sports Network and have to split our crew for sure <laughs> yeah definitely all right uh, jones angel voice of the north carolina tar heels joining us once again in the sports tank with jeremy green here on espn Asheville. have a great weekend we'll touch base with you next week jones thanks guys always enjoy the time all right seven o'clock tomorrow night the pregame will start here on espn Asheville tar heels kickoff against the virginia cavaliers up in charlottesville at eight o'clock You've been practicing for months, and now that dedication and vigilance is about to pay off. The Big Orange Tent is back at the Asheville Mall. That mask that you actually want to wear is a short drive away at Halloween Express. With shipments arriving daily, you'll find the perfect Halloween costume, mask, or decoration. From kids to adults, scary to funny, Halloween Express has Western North Carolina's largest selection. You can't miss the Big Orange Tent in the Asheville Mall parking lot. Open 10 to 9 Monday through Saturday, 12 to 7 on Sunday. You're in the sports tank. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. And we got football tonight. Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons. Thursday night football. I think it's going to be a good one. I think we're not going to be bored to death like we have been with some Thursday night games this week. Well, it's not going to be a redo of... uh, Eagles Giants, which set football back fourteen years. <laughs> oh, Danny Dimes! It's hard to believe it's only been a week since Danny Dimes fell on his face on national television. <laughs> yeah, that uh, poor kid's just a walking meme. Isn't the, he? the ninety-yard touchdown that never was. You know, I, I didn't realize this until I saw that play again. Not only did he fall on his face, mm-hmm. but he stood back up and got blasted for doing it he did I, I don't know if i just didn't notice that the first time or if i'd forgotten it. well because at that point i mean he wasn't touched so he could he could get up and keep going <laughs> but that yeah, he gave, got up that gave he you, didn't keep going that's right they gave you plenty of time for the defense to catch up to him <laughs> uh we're both on the panthers to win this game tonight uh christian mccaffrey's not gonna play uh they're gonna hold him out one more week So, Mike Davis, though, I mean, I don't see a reason to rush Christian McCaffrey back, honestly. I think this is a game that you can win without him. You've been doing pretty well without him already. No need to put him at higher risk. Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike Davis has been pretty good. No reason to, at least not for this game. I don't Mm -hmm. think you need Christian McCaffrey to win this game. Right. And if you do, I think that's a problem. And if you're uh, if you have either or on your fantasy teams, play them. Just play them. Yep. I think it's going to be fine. Uh, both offenses will be able to move the ball. 
it's all going to be good. I mean, don't 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 go play like the Atlanta Falcons defense or anything. Don't do something stupid. No, like that's that. that's not going to be that. That's not going to be fun <laughs> at all. No, absolutely not. Um, there is talk though leading up to the trade deadline here. The closer and closer we get. We had uh, yesterday the news breaking about Carlos Dunlap got traded from the Cincinnati Bengals to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, now I'm seeing there are rumors circulating that the Green Bay Packers are going after Will Fuller of the Houston Texans. Woohoo! Come on now, and that that would be a big deal. Woo! You don't think so? Not really. Aaron Rodgers with Will Fuller wouldn't make a difference. He gets hurt constantly. Why? Well, why would I care? That's that's, that's a th- I mean that is a thing. That is a definite risk with Will Fuller, but He's had a string of games here where he's been good and healthy. This is the longest oh, streak of games he's played. He's made it like half in. a season. Good for him. I was going to say, this is the longest streak of games that he's played in his entire career. He's played seven straight games, and he's never surpassed that mark good before. Good for him. Yeah, I mean. But hey, man, this is why it's not going to happen, because this would be the chance for the Houston Texans to regain a little something. Uh, to ship this guy out before he gets hurt again. <laughs> That's why it's not going to happen. He's going to stay right where he's at, and he's going to get hurt. Well, I mean, my question <laughs> would be, what exactly are you going to get for Will Fuller in the first place? Mm, uh, six? Maybe a five? Maybe a five. I mean, he's a free agent after this year. You're still going to owe him $5 million for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's currently on his longest streak of consecutive games in his career. But on the other hand, maybe this is—I mean, maybe this is something the Green Bay Packers have to do. I mean, they need to add another weapon somehow, some way. Yeah, but I would greatly prefer that weapon be somebody like AJ Green. Oh, or, definitely. I mean, just to me, Will Fuller is—and I hate to keep using this analogy—he's—he's he's just a—he's a ham sandwich. You know, it's and he's not even a particularly good one. He's not like a Jason's Deli ham sandwich. No, he's like a your little drunk at three in the morning, and you <laughs> slather some mayonnaise on bread and throw some meat in between it. So not quite one of those that's been sitting in a vending machine. No, you didn't. I mean, you didn't get it in a little disposable thing at a gas station. Right. You know, I, I, you know, that's not that. Don't do don't do that. I've done that more times than oh, I'm, I'm proud sure of. that I'm sure they're fine. I you spending you spending as much time on the road as I have. Uh, you've eat, I've eaten sushi from a gas station. Mm. No wonder you almost died of intestinal issues. Uh, yeah, it, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> hey, you're not wrong on anything you just said. I'm not. I am not at all. Um, but uh, as the trade deadline goes, uh, I am expecting there are going to be plenty of moves made. The Stefan Gilmore thing is the that that's the one that's intriguing me more and more and more. All right, Stefan Gilmore doing the same thing that Carlos Dunlap did the other day, announcing that his house has been put on the market. That's usually a good sign that you know something. Mm-hmm. Like, if it comes down to it, I know I'm going somewhere. It may not be to the team we're talking about today, but there's a high likelihood that I'm moving on. And see, I think that's actually the way this needs to go. I think the you know the uh, New England Patriots need to realize. See, there I'm seeing all of these suggestions. Like, how can the Panther or how can the pa- Patriots make a move to make themselves better and get back in playoff contention? One, they were never in playoff contention, and two, no, 
I feel like uh, they should realize at this point that this is not going to happen. And if you can get something out of these guys, get it. But that's just me. So I could see Stefan Gilmore absolutely being moved. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did more. Because there's been talk about, oh, what if they pick up, you know, they could work a deal and get Alshon Jeffrey. What, for what? Why? Yeah, why? Uh, why you would don't they have do a quarterback. That? You know, here's the biggest problem. You don't have a quarterback. I don't care who your receivers are. I don't care that Julian Edelman's out. You don't have anybody throwing the ball. <laughs> uh, Ryan Kerrigan is another name that's come up a lot. I will be shocked if he doesn't get moved. I mean, he should. He's the extra pass rusher for the Washington football team. He's on an expiring contract. I think you can move him. Like, There's only $6 million left on his deal for this year. Like, It would make sense for somebody who needs a pass rusher to go out and get Ryan Kerrigan. And it would only make sense for the Washington football team to cut him loose. Do you know what percentage of snaps he's played this year? Ryan Kerrigan? Uh-huh. Uh, 47. You're too high. It's 36. Really? He's played 42 snaps on special teams. Hmm. This is a guy that needs to be moved. I mean, he just doesn't have anywhere to go. You've got Montez Sweat and you got Chase Young. Right. And they're not going anywhere. Oh, I still, I, I keep seeing all these trade rumors about uh, involving my team, the Buccaneers. Of course you do. Well, I mean, they're talking about now, there's talks with uh, Minnesota about getting Riley Reif or Riley Reef. I mean, where are you going to play him? Right. like That makes no sense. Are we going to move Donovan Smith? Are they going to trade that? I don't no, think so. That's one Nobody's of the taking most, that contract. That's one of the most unmovable deals in the sport. Right. Nobody's taking that contract, and we don't have the money for that. So I don't understand where yeah, all yeah. these... Uh, I, I love trade... As soon as we get to, to the trade deadline, everybody becomes an expert. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard Julian Edelman's going to get traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, he's not. And that's dumb. <laughs> And I don't know why you said that why, out loud. Yeah, why would you do that? It's it, trade rumors is that it's about as dumb, dumb talk as it gets. And unfortunately, um, Julian Edelman is going to be out for a little while. He apparently has a, has a boo boo. Yeah, he's going to be a DMP. Don't want to for a while. DNP don't want to. Uh, do you find it ironic that he had a, a a knee procedure done that has been quote bothering him for a long time? The week that we all realized that Cam Newton is not a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I'm not. I, you think it's just a happenstance? I'm saying I didn't think about it. You think he just woke up Monday morning and went today the knee is bothering me too much? Right. No, you're bad. You're real bad, and you know it. You know there's not a quarterback on this roster, and you went, only got a few years left. We're done. We're done. We're two and four, and our schedule is disgusting. The only thing they're saying right now is that he is going to be out sometime, which is probably three weeks. I won't be shocked if he doesn't play another game on here. Really? Uh-uh. Why would he? Mm-hmm. All right, they're going to play the Bills this week. How do you think that's going to go? Not well. Not well. They play the Jets next week. That'll if if they lose that... And you know what? I've come to the <laughs> Don't realization. Put it out there. Don't put it out there. No no, 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 that's where I'm headed. I've come to the conclusion that the only team we can beat and me not be just absolutely catatonic about it is New England. I don't care when it is. Beating New England is always a positive. I, I don't really? care. I, yeah, I don't care. Even if it takes you out of the running. It's not going to. But even if it did, <laughs> you know what? If we beat New England twice, I, I can't be upset about that. Unless they wind up with Trevor, in which, in, in, at which time I would go, 
Well, that's the jittiest thing that ever happened. Right. Allowed the New England Patriots to jump you in the in the order to be able to get Trevor Lawrence. And then it all starts again. Ooh. Bill Belichick. Second wave. You want to talk about second wave? That's a second wave dynasty. Ugh. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. For once, I'm glad to have kind of a sports-related story to tell in the uh, weird news segment here. Um, Purdue Pete apparently can't hold his liquor. Have you seen this story? Nope. Um, Purdue Pete, or at least the student who portrays Purdue Pete, facing drunken driving battery charges after a fight outside a McDonald's. Uh, this student apparently, uh, went to the McDonald's drunk, uh, and, and he said he didn't have too much. I'll get into that in a second, but he drove to the McDonald's drunk. Then he hit a pedestrian who was standing in the drive-thru at the drive-thru window of the McDonald's at approximately one forty in the morning. And then he got into a fight with the guy that he hit with his car. Police were called to the scene. Both took off and ran. Neither of them stopped. They were not able to identify the uh, the man that this young man hit with his car. Uh, but he was quickly identified. Uh, I guess he's well known around around campus and around that area. And no, I don't know if they know him as Purdue Pete or not. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the mascot is in some real trouble. He told police that he drank about seven beers while golfing earlier that day. He went home before heading out about 11 o'clock to a local bar where he told police that he's not sure how many drinks he had, but he guessed it might have been around four. Uh, when he uh, was uh, given the blood alcohol test, so remember, he ran from the police. So there was some time between when he was brought in for the test and when this infraction actually happened, it was a .172. That doesn't sound like four beers to me, even for a skinny college kid. I'm guessing he had a little bit more. What do you think, Jeremy? Uh, it sounds that way. Point. <laughs> I'm too excited to tell my story. I was out listening to yours. I heard it. This is my favorite story I've ever had in all the times we've done. Let's get weird. (laughs) Okay. I have shared this on my Twitter at Jay Green ESPN. It is worth it to go watch the video because I have tagged the video as well. I'm going to read this verbatim. The Tourism Board of Kazakhstan is embracing the new Borat movie by using the character's catchphrase, very nice, in a series of campaign videos. No, no. I'm not making this up. Kazakh Tourism, which is the the entity that's doing this, has created a series of, of tourism films where random people have cameras out and they're seeing things in Kazakhstan and their response is very nice. Very nice. The first movie was banned in Kazakhstan, which I was two day years old when I found out, where officials took depiction took issue with the depiction of the country as a hotbed for poverty. Mm-hmm. But the Kazakh Tourism Board appropriated the character's catchphrase this time around for videos encouraging visitors to make <laughs> up their own minds about the nation. 
And the videos are great, too. They are hilarious. It's like elevator music, and then at the end, it's just a random person saying, very nice, but not really in the Borat. No, it's, they're just saying yeah. in a regular voice. Right. Like, you get this elevator music for about 15 seconds, and you're seeing different scenes, and then you get uh, me come in and go, that's very nice. I, <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I can't do this without saying, uh, I can't. It looks like it says carrot, but I'm going to go with Karat Sedvakazov. Okay. The deputy chairman of Kazakh Tourism said, we would like everyone to come experience Kazakhstan for themselves by visiting our country in 2021 and beyond so that they can see that Borat's homeland is nicer than they may have heard. Oh, it's very nice. These are like ultra 4K videos, (laughs) and they're super cinematic, and then they just come to one random person that goes, it's very nice. <laughs> and every one of them, I heard it in Borat's voice, which they did not mean for no, me to do. Not. They did not. But I did. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at and All you have to do, it is the number one story, and I'm going to pin it to the top of my Twitter, because this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I think my favorite one is the woman at the end that goes, ooh, that's very nice. And all I heard was, that's nice. <laughs> Great success. That's the one I wanted to take up next. Great success. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> no, that's what they need to do. That, I, Kazakhstan. Wah, wah, wah. Well, here's the thing. If you've never seen the video of the track and field runner, that they Googled the Kazakh national anthem and they played the theme song from Borat. Oh, if you've never seen that video, I need to that's see that. the reason the internet exists is for videos like that. Because I've watched it no less than 200 times, and I still wind up with tears in my eyes because the look on her face when she realizes what has happened is one of the most priceless things I've ever seen. Kazakhstan is greatest country in the world. And they played that all the way through. That's hilarious. And she's looking around like, nope, that's not it. (laughs) And then it dawns on her, I know what you did. That situation's actually uh, funnier than the movie was. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, this will be the last show that he and I do together because oh. I, I cannot deal with what he just said. That's to me. a rift in the in the friendship right there. It you is. Don't, you don't talk bad about Borat. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I've already seen the second one and I was uh, very disappointed. Uh, there's been talks in the NBA about the upcoming season, and Jeremy shocked or not shocked that the Players Association is apparently vastly against starting the season in just a few weeks. Uh, Stunner. Uh, uh, who's surprised? I'm not. <laughs> they went to him with the proposal for the December 22nd start, and uh, apparently there are people who are surprised that the players are like, wait, that's, that's no, no, that's only like a month off. I, I can't believe that anybody would be shocked by that. But we've said they're going to have calendar problems just based on what they did here. Oh, yeah. And I think they're I, I think they're going about it the right way, trimming up the next season, starting as early as possible. I I think they should start as early as possible just to avoid future issues, but you gotta get the players association on board. And if the players association says no, it's not gonna happen. And there is a faction of players that includes some pretty high level superstars that are saying, No, we need to wait until MLK Day. We need to wait until January eighteenth to start up the next season. Do you think this is a standoff coming, or do you think the NBA is going to be receptive to the players on this? I, I don't see how you're going to start the season this quick. 
Oh, you got to get the the rookies acclimated. You got to do all kinds of things. Right. I don't see a way that. I mean, and I see the problems on both sides. Christmas is one of your biggest revenue generating days. But I just don't see how you do it. Right. Think about the timeline here. So we got the draft is officially going to be on Wednesday, November the 18th. Then free agency begins on that Friday, November the 20th. They want to start a month and two days after that. You can't do that. Can you? Uh, In my opinion, no. I mean, I guess. But I've I've been saying this for months, so. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a plan that I don't understand, but I don't see how this is going to work. Right. It, it's just not enough. It's not enough time. No. It, I mean, it's and it's ludicrous. And it's it, I've been saying this for months, and it took this long for somebody to go, hmm, what do we do now? Because where we're set up now leaves us competing with the NFL. And if this, uh, if this past finals has shown us anything, we don't want to do that. This past week in the NFL gave us one of the most meme-worthy moments uh, of 2020. DK Metcalf and his defensive play against the Arizona Cardinals stood out. It's time to check in with Caleb Peak for the Ingles. Chew on that. Hope you're having a great Thursday. I'm Caleb Peak. This is Chew on That. Brought to you by Ingles Markets. Low prices, love the savings. And I've had an extra 24 hours to chew on this one, so hang on tight. He's connected on with six different receivers, and this time he lost one, and it's picked off at the goal line. That's Buda Baker. Buda Baker out in front. Can Metcalf track him down? Can he chase him down? And he does to save a touchdown. Watch the play here by DK Metcalf. He is flying down the field. Baker thinks he's going to walk into the end zone, and Metcalf just refused to let it go. This It was unbelievable how much ground he made up. All right, this seems like a good place to begin. Remember those photos that came out before the 2019 draft of DK Metcalf just hanging out on the beach during spring break on the Gulf of Mexico? Of course you do, because you instantly felt inferior. I mean, the dude looks like the son of Zeus. He looks like he should be the subject of one of those ancient paintings where DK is wearing fig leaves and lounging on a sofa while a peasant feeds him grapes. At the time those photos were taken, Metcalf checked in at 6 foot 4, 240 pounds with 1.6% body fat. 1.6. Just to put that in a little bit of context for you. The San Diego Union Tribune found that healthy young men register a body fat percentage around 20%, while what you might call an in-shape athlete is working with around 10% body fat. Now, doctors say that any percentage less than that is unsustainable in the long term, but forget about that for now. You want to look like a Greek god too? Just be like DK and make sure your body is over 98% muscle. Problem solved. Yeah, DK Metcalf was such a physical specimen coming out of Ole Miss that some of the pro sports world thought the photos he was posting were photoshopped. But there's no faking what DK did on Sunday night to Arizona Cardinal safety Buda Baker. It was such a good read by Baker inside his own red zone that nobody but Wilson himself should have had a play on him. Once Baker hit the open field, even Russ called off the chase to watch his terrible throw go 98 yards the other way for six. But just like the huge stallion of a human that Arizona head coach Cliff Kingsbury said that he is on Sunday night. DK closed the gap. Again, just for context sake here, in the 2019 NFL Combine, Metcalf ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash with a top speed of 18.89 miles per hour. Granted, DK is 12 pounds lighter now than he was then, 
But over the 108.8 yards it took Metcalf to run Buda Baker down on Sunday, he hit a top speed of 22.64 miles per hour. That is hauling the mail, ladies and gentlemen, especially when you find out that Baker was clocked at 21.27 miles per hour. And just to put the icing on the cake, try this on for size. DK is the only player this season to be over 210 pounds and hit a speed over 22 and a half miles per hour. That is moving. So we've established what we know, that DK Metcalf is a scary individual who is A, very good at football, and B, is, other than Wilson, the Seahawks' top weapon offensively. But after this display of defense from a wide receiver, I've got just one question. Why is Seattle limiting DK Metcalf to one side of the football? Let this man go both ways. I mean, it's not like it's dare I say it, unprecedented to have star athletes playing both sides of the ball in the NFL. In fact, going both ways used to be a crowning achievement for some of the toughest men to ever strap on the pads. A fellow by the name of George Blanda was primarily a quarterback with a side job as a place kicker. But guys, excuse me, I should say men, like Jim Thorpe and Chuck Bednarik, offered no excuses for coming to the sideline. As a combination center and linebacker, hence college football's Bednarik Award, Chuck Bednarik was an eight-time pro bowler. Both Bednarik and Thorpe were named to their all-decade teams for the 1950s and the 1920s, respectively. And going both ways isn't just a thing of the past, either. A big man by the name of Patrick Ricard is, as we speak, filling both the roles of fullback and defensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens. Pretty good team. But what about the money, you exclaim as you clutch your pearls? Well, dig this. In early September, Buda Baker became the highest paid safety in NFL history when he inked a four-year, $59 million extension with the Cardinals. Right now, DK Metcalf is making just under $4.6 million over a four-year rookie contract with the Seahawks. You see how that matchup worked out. Now, that's a price tag that's about to increase drastically in 2023 once that rookie contract runs up. But think about it. If DK could work with DB and cornerback coaches over the next two and a half seasons to hone his craft and make himself even more viable on the defensive side of the ball, he'll be well worth the cost for whatever team is willing and able to spend their cap space on that type of dual talent. We talk about dual threat quarterbacks like it's a new religion. What's wrong with the concept of a dual threat wideout slash safe? And because DK Metcalf and LeBron James could go head-to-head in an M1 Abrams look-alike contest, the normal fragility of a wide receiver is not something you have to worry about with him. He looks just as happy doling out contact as he does receiving it. Long story short, this may be a new age of football, but in a lot of ways, football is returning to its roots. As both bodies and mentalities get stronger with each generation of player, The NFL is just begging for a return of its both-ways gladiators. These guys can handle it because these guys are paid to handle it. Every other major team sport requires its star athletes to be skilled on both sides of the ball. When a man like DK Metcalf is wearing your uniform, the worst thing you could ever do for yourself and for your fans is hold him back. It's time to let this man off his leash. I'm Caleb Peake. That's something to chew on. All right, there's football being played tonight, and that means you can win money on MonkeyKnifeFight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com, if you don't have an account yet, you should get one. Daily fantasy sports prop bets at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. All you got to do is set up an account, use the promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. They will match your initial investment up to $50, and they will enter you into a special contest as well. Uh, they give you a $5 free play 
for signing up and using the promo code TANK, T-A-N-K, at monkeyknifefight.com. What game are we playing tonight, Jeremy? They also match your initial deposit up to $50. So if you deposit $50 today, they will give you $55 free dollars to play on on top of that. And you can bet on your own team and they're giving... Not bet. You cannot bet. Betting is not a good word to say there. You can play on your own team if you're a Panthers fan. And they're giving you free money. Because they have a game tonight called the Rapid Fire, which is a three and a half X multiplier. I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater getting three and a half passing yards against Matt Ryan and Robbie Anderson getting a yard and a half against Julio Jones. This will turn that free five dollar uh play into seventeen and a half dollars if you win and you're going to. That Julio Jones against the Carolina Panthers narrative, uh, that's false. Uh-huh. Do you know the last time he had a hundred yards against the Panthers? Mm, let me guess, six years ago. Uh, not that long. It was <laughs> November the 5th of 2017. He had six catches for 118 yards. Since then, he hasn't had more than 90 in a game against Carolina. Would you like to guess how many uh, how many yards Robbie Anderson had in the first game against Atlanta this year? 112. That's exactly right. Yep. I like Robbie Anderson, and I like Teddy Bridgewater this evening. Atlanta showed they're going to try to run against Carolina because Carolina can't stop the run to save their lives. Mm-hmm. So Todd Gurley is going to be he, he's going to be used. He had a big game in the first one. I could see him doing it again. I like Teddy Bridgewater and I like Robbie Anderson. Yep. Use our promo code on monkeyknifefight.com. Tank, T-A-N-K. And Todd's going to be playing mad, too. Yes. Because uh, he's still angry about losing his team the game last week with the Detroit Lions. I like Todd Gurley a lot tonight. And I shouldn't because every time I like him a lot, it backfires, it backfires on me. Yeah. I just don't see any way that Atlanta's going to beat Carolina. I don't either. It's going to be outside. The one mm-hmm. thing I will say is it's supposed to rain. Mm-hmm. And the wind is going to be kicking. That lends me to... that. That's why that line's moved, by the way. Because Atlanta stops the run better than Carolina does. Right. This could turn into a gross, grind it out, slug festy type game. <laughs> so you're saying there could be lots of Alex Armaugh sightings tonight? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Sign up today. Use the promo code TANK. T-A-N-K. Uh, the New York Giants have run into the same situation that the Oakland Raiders were in last week where they're Entire offensive line has been uh, has been quarantined. Will Hernandez tested positive for the coronavirus, and so they've taken everybody from the offensive line, all the starters, plus Shane Lemieux, the backup to Will Hernandez, and they have put them in, uh, in not necessarily in quarantine, but they told them to stay home. And they're not allowed to come back until they have done all of the contact tracing and whatnot. Now, none of them apparently are uh, deemed to be high risk right now for contracting the coronavirus from Will Hernandez, but um, they are out right now. They could return to practice tomorrow, but they need to get the uh, the go-ahead. My main question here is, once again, you have uh, a, a primetime game that is being affected. They can't flex this, though, can they? No. You're not going to flex the day of a game. I, I understand you've got you know, Rona issues and all these things. You're not going to 
uh, you're not going to flex that. Right, because last week it was supposed to be Sunday night football between the Bucks and the Raiders. They flexed it just in case the game had to be canceled. And I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can do that in this scenario. Right now, everybody's saying, uh, like they asked Joe Judge, the head coach of the New York Giants, what his concern was. Did he have a level of concern, or what his level of concern was about playing this game? He said, right now, there is none. There is no concern that this game will happen on Monday night, but it'll just be something to keep our eyes on. We'll see you uh, tomorrow, 9 a.m., the Sportsocracy on Facebook and YouTube Live, and back here tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. on ESPN Asheville.